What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome back to ACRAC. I'm Jed Wolpaw, and I am sitting here at the ASA conference in San Francisco, and we have a really neat show that we're doing right here from the conference floor. I have with me James Pruden, who is the editorial director of Anesthesiology News and anesthesiologynews.com. He's also actually uh, very involved with ed- being the editor of a variety of other um, publications with the um, Mc- McMahon Group. Um, but the one that uh, I've collaborated with him on a little bit is at anesthesiologynews.com. As listeners will know, they've featured some of our episodes, and I've always said it's a great publication, and you should go check it out, and I stick by that. So James is with me, and we are going to talk a little bit about what it means to be in the media side of anesthesiology. So James, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So first of all, Tell me a little bit about Anesthesiology News. When did it start? What, what kind of led to somebody saying, well, you know, we've got these journals, right, that publish anesthesiology research. But somebody at some point must have said, you know, it would be interesting also, instead of just publishing this research, to have something that focuses on actually the media side of it. So give us a little background as to how that came about and uh, what the background of Anesthesiology News is. So it goes back a fair amount of time. Um, Anesthesiology News has been around for, I believe it's about 40 years. And we have another publication called General Surgery News, which has been around uh, a similarly long period of time. Um, So the idea behind these is to journalistically cover the news out in in the specialty. And when it comes to Anesthesiology News, we cover probably over 25 meetings a year in, in the world of anesthesiology. So either directly or sometimes remotely, uh, we're just out there trying to get the news uh, in the specialty. That's great. Uh, and I would imagine it takes a lot of specialty knowledge in order to be able to cover any medical specialty well. Is there any kind of special training they get? I, I'd imagine if you took someone who had worked for a regular newspaper and they wanted to come work for you in anesthesiology news, they would need to somehow get some learning about anesthesia. Do they go through any kind of training or they, they kind of learn it on the job? How does that work? Well, that's a, a good question, and that actually um, uh, we have to go back a little bit. So when I was um, graduate, I, I went to Columbia, graduated in 1980, 
wanted to get into journalism. While I was at Columbia, I took some science courses. I have to say I was not the most stellar science uh, uh, student, but um, I was pretty good in the journalistic side. So after um, going to, a, you know, uh, having a couple of uh, bad jobs, I ended up being amounted to an office manager slash uh, writer for the FDA submissions for a research company. Um, and it was it required journalistic ability, writing ability. But through that job, I started writing for this company right now that I work for, McMahon Group. That was 34 years ago. So 34 years ago, I actually started working at McMahon Group. Um, so I was not particularly trained in anesthesia topics. I was had come from a medical milieu, so I was working for a bio-research company. I had some surface knowledge of chemistry and, and biology. Um, and so, you know, I guess I'm, you could say I was grandfathered in <laughs> in that case. Nowadays, you know, I'm in charge of hiring the uh, editors at our company, and all of our editors nowadays have masters in science writing or science journalism, as does Michael, who's who, our associate editor, who's, who's watching us right now. So they have um, – there's a course. Hopkins actually used to have a program, but I, I think a couple of years ago they stopped this program for whatever reason. But um, we um, – uh, really only hire people with that degree. Um, and it just is, it puts them ahead of someone who might be a great journalist, but just in the medical world would be at a loss. You know, they don't know necessarily st statistics. They don't know the differences between physicians. They, they'd just be starting at ground zero, and we just don't have the time for that at this point nowadays. All right, very interesting. So, James, tell me what kind of articles uh, are – if someone's out there thinking, you know, I've never looked at Anesthesiology News or AnesthesiologyNews.com, I wonder if I'd like to. What kind of articles would they find if they look at either the print or the online publication? Well, what we do, again, I'd say 90% of what we do is cover medical meetings. So, uh, again, we cover 25 or it's probably a little more than 25 anesthesiology meetings a year. The articles that we get from those meetings are based on studies that, that physicians are presenting at the meeting. And, you know, I have my own bias uh, for certain types of articles. I, in fact, have a little list right here I could talk about. Um, one of the things I really like are, big, are stories with big data, you know, hosp large hospital systems or insurance companies. Someone goes in and crunch the num crunch the, crunches the numbers, and those are, are pretty hard to, de to deny. The, the, the um, uh, results from those studies are, I think, very interesting. So any kind of big data, closed claims data, that type of thing, I find very compelling. Nowadays, I'm very interested in what we've – the acronym is NORA, non-OR anesthesia, because non-OR anesthesia is now 30 percent and, and rising of what all anesthesia, uh, anesthesia is. Uh, in that setting, and um, it's a it's a little different, you know. It's and, and it requires a, a different way of looking at things. It's becoming just a, a bigger thing in American uh, medicine. And um, other things I'm interested in is any anything on on delivering uh, care to morbidly or super morbidly obese patients. It's something that is is just no pun intended growing. Uh, <laughs> I guess that pun was intended. Um, but it's, um, it, we did a, a story written by a physician, actually, uh, two or three years ago. The largest patient I think ever operated on was a Saudi Arabian 
uh, individual who had to be literally brought in by a crane because the king of Saudi Arabia said, you know, you got to get that taken care of. And he, he had various mental issues as well. But a fascinating article. And it just morbid and super morbid patients, pr uh, you know, present unusual problems in some ways. Um, any, you know, we have regular coverage of PED, anesthesia, obstetrics, anesthesia. Obstetrics, anesthesia, you know, maternal morbidity and mortality in the United States is not a good situation. There's parts of Washington, D.C., I read, that are on par with third world countries. You know, we, there's, there's things that need to be fixed in, in that world. Cardiovascular anesthesia, we cover the Society of Cardiovascular Anesthesiologists, always cover that extensively. Um, I'm interested in trauma anesthesia. Um, any kind of regional anesthesia, which I think is a, uh, a, growing, uh, a, a growing interest, in new blocks, comparisons of blocks, um, enhanced recovery pathways is a, is a new topic that we're doing more on. Uh, reduced, you know, perioperative opioid regimens. Um, I was talking to someone who said that there is a, a new regimen that has no opioids that um, is for cesarean section uh, patients which such a major operation without opioids is, on the one hand, I think pretty scary. Uh, but if it works, I get, you know, if, if, if the patients are okay with it, that's fine. I, a year ago to this month, had my knee replaced. Um, and I can tell you that for the first, you know, four, five, six days, it was a, a great thing to have those opioids because it's a painful operation. And so to not have those opioids, I find, I, I find daunting. I just don't know how that's going to be done, and we'll see. But uh, any, any regimens that they uh, uh, can produce that can, and talk about and can back up with facts, I think, is awfully interesting. And then any kind of never events, wrong site blocks, um, trying to figure out how those never events happen, which is often very often a, a mental mistake by usually more than one person. But that, that sequence of events is just really good to parse through. And um, I'd say that's, that's it. The other thing is healthcare disparities, uh, I think, is another good topic. Yeah, I think those are all great topics. What would you want, or what do you want, someone to take away from reading your publication? Uh, you know, what, what kind of information, what kind of learning do you, do you hope they'll take away? And how does it differ from what they might take away from reading, for example, anesthesia and analgesia or anesthesiology, the journal? Well... You know, those journals are, are the journals of record. So, so the facts, uh, uh, the details are, are going to be in those um, journals. What we try to do is, is give, very often in like six to 800 words, just the core uh, lesson to be learned from that uh, study. And, you know, oftentimes in medicine there's no definitive answer, but it might point in one direction. We always have in our articles, by the way, a second opinion. So we're not just talking to the person who did the study. We're also talking to someone else who may or may not agree or may say the study was interesting but wildly unrealistic because no one would give that sequence of drugs. In reality, it's too expensive, blah, blah, blah. So there's another way of, of uh, uh, looking at those studies, and we want to get that information out there too. So um, we want to have them, the reader, within about seven or 800 words, get the information from the study, that's important, and then be able to think about it. And that's probably all we can hope for. Great. So let's say there's somebody out there, a practitioner of anesthesia, thinking, 
this sounds really interesting. I would not only like to read it, but I might like to write something for uh, an article for a publication like this. Is that possible? Do you accept uh, articles from practitioners? And if so, how would they go about submitting something? That's a good question. Um, I'd say about, as I said, 90% of what we do are, are clinical uh, articles written by our medical reporting staff. But the other thing we do is twice a year we have special editions. Um, in August, we have an airway management special edition, which is composed of uh, all physician-written articles, which are sort of state-of-the-art summaries of, of whatever topic on airway management. And then in October, we just, we're here at the ASA, so we've just uh, published this, uh, which is another special edition, and that's really everything other than airway topics. And it, it's a wide, you know, uh, as you know better than I, there's so many things in, in, in anesthesia that, uh, anesthesiology that you could publish. So was, we have things on disaster management. We have things on OR planning. Um, we have things on, on, on blocks. And we, you know, everything is in there. And they're all physician-written uh, and, and tend to be summaries of, of current clinical thought. And how do you, how do you get that published? Well, um, I love to hear from people who want to suggest clinical reviews. These reviews are about 2,500 words on the low end, and they can run up to 10,000 words. I'm not suggesting you submit a 10,000-word review, but they can go that long. And um, uh, if you submit to me, to my email, um, an, an idea... I would be happy to review it. I'd review it very quickly. And um, uh, it just has to be, I, I think the, the main thing is, is it interesting enough to a, a, a wider group of people? And I say that in general, um, that that's the case. But we've had a couple of quirky uh, reviews that are clearly not uh, of interest to most anesthesiologists, but they're interesting enough that we've run them anyway. And I'm, I'm thinking really of, a, uh, a, a scheduling review that we just did in the October special edition where someone really thought through the whole process of how to schedule anesthesiologists for OR duty. And it's, um, uh, you know, it's not going to interest a lot of people, but the, the people that it interests are going to be very interested in it. So basically just send me an idea. I'll get back to you. There is an honorarium involved with that, so you're not doing it pro bono. Um, and we can talk about that. Great. So we can put, uh, if James is willing, we'll put his, his email or whatever email he'd like uh, people to submit things to on, in the show notes. So, James, is what if somebody's doing something and they think it's pretty interesting? They, they're not, um, you know, don't really want to write up the, an article about it themselves, but they think, gee, I bet Anesthesiology News would, would be interested in covering what I'm doing. How, if at all, can they get you guys interested to maybe come check it out? Or maybe how would they get you to send one of your reporters to go check out what they're doing? That's a good question, and, and it, it happens from time to time. Um, I w it, that would be a, a, a question of persuasion, basically, <laughs> because um, it has happened, and um, that requires, you know, uh, someone to go and, and, and visit, and um, very often it might not be possible or it might be expensive on our, our end, and, and so there'd be hesitation, to be honest, to do that, but it's not impossible. It really would have to be something interesting, not just kind of interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying no, but it would, there would there'd have to be a discussion about that. Sounds good. Sounds like they could at least pitch the idea and see what happens. What would you say, if you think back on the last few years or even just the last year, what, what's something that is 
you know, you've thought, wow, that was just a fascinating story we covered. Is there something that sticks out or a couple things that, you know, just really were fantastic or really interesting? The first thing that comes to my mind is, is really the um, uh, drug shortage. And um, it's interesting in a bad way. I think it's just embarrassing. You know, uh, that should not happen. Uh, I think that it, it brings up all these um, questions about, you know, if you're a, a provider of, of uh, medicine in the United States, do you have an obligation? Um, you know, you, yeah, you have an obligation to your shareholders, but do you have an obligation to provide the thing that you said you were going to provide? Um, and, you know, I, I think that there's been some real problems with the, the, the chain from uh, the manufacturers of these drugs on down through the, through the line to the, to the patient. And I think uh, I, the, I noticed that the ASA is, is uh, making this a, a big issue, and I think that's absolutely correct. We did a story, uh, cover story, that was probably about 3,000 words talking about this, I'd say maybe May or June, something like that. And um, that strikes me as when you ask me an interesting story, that's, that's an interesting thing. It, it, it's a failure, and um, it, it needs to be corrected. Otherwise, people are going to have to delay surgeries or, or be in pain, and that's, that's not good. Uh, none of those things are good. Yeah, absolutely. So what about when we think about um, the trends, you know, you and your reporters have covered uh, interesting things happening in anesthesia, uh, you know, for at least uh, you, you've, I think, have been involved in this for at least a few years, specifically in anesthesia. Um, is there anything you think we should really be looking at in terms of where we're going or what might be some fascinating stuff that we're on the cusp of seeing down the road? Well, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is really new anesthetics. You know, they, they don't come around all that often. <laughs> and I know that people are working on them, and I, and, and I, I don't know a whole lot about that. Um, the actual, you know, what, what's going on right now. The, one of the questions about anesthetics is actually how do they work? You know, that's, that's very unclear. Various theories about that. Um, so if there's anything, you know, big in anesthesiology, it would be new anesthetics to, with which to work. And that would be the number one thing I'm, I'm thinking of. Great. Tell me briefly about the kind of how does anesthesiology news work? I know that, uh, as far as I know, every anesthesiologist gets... Uh, sent uh, a copy of the publication. It's not something you have to subscribe to. Um, but how does that work? Uh, does your revenue come from advertising since people aren't paying for it? How does that work? And is there anything, if people are reading this and, and enjoying it, you know, is there anything they can do or should do uh, to let that be known? The, um, yeah, every, all U.S. anesthesiologists get it for free. And they get it for free because we have advertising. Um, but we are actually very careful about the editorial side and the sales side, uh, intermixing is not the right word, but, you know, there's a barrier there that is, is well-respected. I always get um, uh, emails and calls from companies, particularly before an ASA meeting, to come meet the chairman of Company X, and let's talk about, you know, their great new product, a great new hemodynamic monitor or, or whatever, and I always have to decline because that's not what I do. That's I'm here to do look at the clinical studies, and then I'm not here to talk to the head of the company or the marketing people of the company. Sales guys are here. We have salespeople who are trying to sell ads, and they do that, but there's a, uh, a no-mixing policy. Um, there's also a no-mixing policy with the ads in the magazine. So if you see an article about you know uh, a, a topic, like an airway topic, 
there's no, not going to be ads on that page um, that are airway ads because that would be, you know, too close. There might be airway ads in the issue, uh, but the, so the, you know, our policy is, is a good one. Uh, we are good journalists. You know, we're not going to uh, write something uh, in favor of a company unless there's a good clinical study in which there there it is, and, and we write this write the story. So, so James, since people don't subscribe. You just send it out to everybody. How do you know? Do you have any way of knowing who's reading it, uh, whether people actually are, you know, uh, enjoying this or whether they would subscribe if they had to? Yeah, the readership is actually studied extensively because, you know, these are, there are, as I said, advertisers in the issue, and the advertisers want to know if their money is well spent. So um, there is a company called Kantar, which is the company that in the United States does um, readership surveys for medical news magazines. And twice a year, they will send out surveys to a selected random uh, group of uh, anesthesiologists or whatever uh, uh, the specialty is to ask them their readership choices. And um, our <clears throat> we've been the best-read uh, publication in anesthesia for 20 years um, and that's just a matter of record. We, we um, uh, can prove that, if you like. <laughs> but um, Kantar, uh, uh, you know, twice a year we get the scores. It's always a little nerve-wracking when you open the email. But, again, uh, so the popularity of the magazine, I think, is, is significant. You know, uh, people like to read it. It's just an easy read in most cases. The uh, twice-a-year special editions have longer format, physician-written pieces that really get down into the weeds a little bit, heavily referenced. But uh, in general, it's an easy way to keep track of what's going on. Again, we cover 25 uh, meetings a year, and um, we, we, we get the information in there. So sooner or later, you're going to find something that is right you know, in your wheelhouse, right where you're interested. That's great. Let me ask you, there's Anesthesiology News, the uh, print publication, and there's anesthesiologynews.com. Uh, it, I believe it's not just the same things published in two different areas, right? So how do you decide what goes on the website and what goes in the print publication? Well, everything that goes in the print publication will end up on the website. There are, however, additional things on the website. So we have online-only uh, pieces that go on the website, one of which is ACRAC. You know, obviously, we can't put that in the publication. So we're trying to do more multimedia things uh, on, on the website. Also, articles on sort of late-breaking events, you know, say that there was a new uh, anesthetic uh, approved by the FDA. We want to wait a whole month for you to f see that in, in the publication. So we would, within 24 hours, get an article about that or something that important uh, on the website. Sometimes there are FDA-mandated um, uh, um, uh, products that are removed, you know, uh, for whatever reason. There are safety issues. We get that on right away. We also tweet uh, information like that right away so that people know, you know if there's something harmful out there, we, we get it out right away. We have a pretty active Twitter account, and also we do Facebook and also LinkedIn. Great. Well, this has been really interesting, James, and I think a lot of people out there are really going to be interested now to know a little more about Anesthesiology News and also maybe to contribute either to one of your physician-only publications or to get in touch with you to see if you're interested in hearing more about what they're doing. So thanks for taking the time, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks very much. That was good. All right. That was great. A lot of fun to be at ASA doing a show. Maybe we'll try to do a little more of that in the future. 
for those who are interested in following up with James, either because you have something you think he'd be interested in covering for Anesthesiology News, or you just want to learn more, maybe you want to contribute to one of their physician-only uh, publications, you can get in touch with him. I will put his email on the show notes at acrac.com. If you liked this episode or if you have comments to share, go to acrac.com where you can see this and every other episode and you can leave comments that we can all learn from. Let us know if you've ever written anything for Anesthesiology News or for any other media publication and whether you have any ideas for how they could improve their publication. I'm sure they'd love the feedback. If you are a fan of the show, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a comment and a rating. It really helps others find the show. And if you are interested in supporting the making of the show, please go to patreon.com slash ACRAC. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-C-C-R-A-C, where you can become a patron of the show. Even if it's just a dollar or two that you pledge, it makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. Big thanks, as always, to all of you who are already patrons, and of course to Brian Park for the excellent job he does making outlines for the shows. You can see them pop up on some of the old episodes. He does one whenever he gets a chance. All right, that is it for today. Thanks for listening. For everyone who was at ASA, I hope you enjoyed it. For the ACRAC Podcast and James Pruden, I'm Jed Wolpaw. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.